and hello everybody to this special edition of we synced it we synced it yeah <laughs> we will be covering a lot about uh james bond on this special james bond day um i have uh chris here and what's up yeah the song that you're listening to is the james bond theme performed by john barry orchestra from uh, the movie Doctor No, which was the first Bond movie to ever official Bond movie, official Bond movie to ever have this song in it, and uh, Chris is gonna give us some knowledge on this one movie and uh, this one song. Go ahead. What you were saying before we started recording the intro? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, when they play the song in particular is when we're first introduced to Bond as he's playing Baccarat, mm-hmm. and he says it is a famous Bond, James Bond line. Yeah, apparently I thought uh, Bond liked to play uh, poker or 21, but he liked to play Baccarat. In the books and in the early movies. Yeah, so I mean, you learn something new every day. So uh, everybody enjoy it and enjoy this episode. But I'm going to replay this song because it just finished right now. (laughs) Peace. No, no, no peace. I mean... Watch that. <laughs> Listen to the episode. It's a, it's a good one. We talk about our top five Bond movies. And uh, my list is kind of uh, it's kind of shit compared to Chris's list because he is so knowledgeable about Bond. And apparently that's his favorite. That's your favorite movie character, would you say? Character, film series. Film Absolutely. series? Really? There's a lot. There's a lot of good ones out there. None as good as Bond. All right, 50 man. years still running. Is he the longest running uh, in history? In history, in movie, in movie history. Jesus Christ! Well, everybody enjoy this episode and uh, enjoy your Bond day. Hope you got the day off and hope you're having a martini, shaken, not stirred. There's a lot of movies that are out there because of Bond. They wouldn't be out there at all. There wasn't really a, a spy like thing. Like obviously, there were just like spy shows. It's Cold War, but mm-hmm. it just never had the impact that Bond did. And like, because you look at every whenever there's like a new spy film, they always compare it to Bond. Yeah, that's like when Bourne well, came, yeah, when came out. They got it. They compare it. I'm like they're to- two totally different characters. You can't really compare the two. Until they uh, started making Bond movies like Bourne. Like Quantum. Yeah. Hence why it sucked. Yeah, you think that's what the, the reason why it sucked? Because, I mean, I looked I looked back at that movie and I enjoyed it. It was alright. It wasn't it, bad. It, it, could it wasn't have, like bad, bad. It could have been good. Yeah. It, like, okay, you're the most successful Bond film, like box office wise. It was a direct sequel of it. They'd use the same story, just a continuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bond was... 
if, if you look at if you read the books uh, Casino Royale the first book it's yeah. a different Bond than all the other Fleming novels because like he was his first mission is mm-hmm. like inexperienced and he fell in love with Vesper and it was just her betrayal which kind of made him this stone cold hard person and mm. womanizer instead of falling in love which he kind of did once when he married Tracy but she died because she yeah. was murdered but the Vesper's betrayal forever changed Bond, and he's totally different. I wouldn't say totally different. You gotta read the sub, like the subtext with mm-hmm. it. You can tell he's a different Bond because of her betrayal. And so we would, when we saw Quantum, it didn't live up to that. Oh, and okay. and going to Bourne, they actually had the Bourne crew uh, shoot the action sequences, mm-hmm. and yet that same crew also shot the action sequences of the new Indiana Jones movie that car chase and all those action scenes which was very Bond-esque it wasn't oh. handheld it wasn't super fast jump cutty it was everything a Bond film was as far as a car chase and yet so if that crew could do a legit Bond-like car chase slash chase slash action scenes why couldn't they do it for Quantum I don't know. I think they maybe they just didn't want it. They wanted more. Uh, I, I think it, I think it was exactly. I think just Sony just saw how good Jason Bourne was, and they took their the only franchise they had similar to Bourne and mm-hmm. make it that. Even though it's like an identity crisis, because I don't think of a Bond film when I see Bourne or how it's shot, or it's two different genres and action styles. Yeah, you're right. Man, it just. I mean, uh, I mean to be honest. Uh, what you call it? Casino Royale was uh, the one that had a uh, I forgot that guy's name, but it had Eva Green in it. That's why that's uh, all that's on here. No? Yeah, that's all I wanted in that movie. And uh, have you seen the Dreamers yet? No, I haven't. Been telling movie. you for years. <laughs> if you like yeah. her, you'd see her in all her glory for a third of that film. Yeah, man. But I'll tell you, when she was in that movie, I mean, I was uh, I was sold as soon as I saw her. I'm like, oh yeah, she's the real deal. <laughs> she's the real deal. But um. Uh, hello, everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed this, uh, what you call it? Uh, Rambling? Yeah. This is uh, our, we're showing appreciation to one of uh, movie history's greatest series of movies, Bond Flicks. Um, 007, uh, I don't know what other name do they call this guy. (laughs) That fucking guy. That's what they really call him. Um, But, um, we're doing this and we're celebrating by giving uh, you guys our top five Bond films. I am uh, one of your hosts, Pat. Kevin is not here right now because uh, he's at work. And we have Chris. Yes. Once again, finally. It's yeah. Our fucking months. Bond expert. Let's right. Putting here. him mildly. Yeah. And uh, Chris, I see that um, previously you, you were a little upset that we did a conspiracy episode. And we didn't invite you. I know. Don't but the reason that. why we didn't invite you is because you were on the shoot doing some stuff. But would you like to say which one would be your conspiracy theory movie that you would like to... Movie? Yeah. A conspiracy theory movie. Yeah, because I know if you heard the podcast, Mike went in mm-hmm. on uh, his little thing because we were watching Snowden at that time. And um, his movie of choice was um, Children of Man. Like, it was conspiracy theory... Uh, 
uh, like a spy espionage kind of movie. And uh, how do you get espionage out of that film? Though, well, there was some espionage about the whole bombing and stuff like that. It was like terrorists. It was like oh, like how the, around supposedly that. the government kind of framed that rebel group or whatever. Yeah, yeah it okay. was all about that. My movie was at first it was Manchurian Candidate. Not the, actually, actually, not the original. I was about to say, you saw that on Halfway Surprise. Not the original. Oh, you're letting me down, Pat. It was the one with uh, Denzel Washington, but then I changed gears in the middle of the show, and then I put Arlington Road because uh, I remember watching that movie, and I really enjoyed it more than I liked the uh, Manchurian Candidate, the remake. Uh, Ralph picked... What movie did Ralph pick? Jeez, I'm not really sure. Fast Pierce. No, nah, he talked about that movie. We talked about that movie. But <laughs> and his boy, pick? Justin Lin, right? Oh, he picked... Um, what's that movie that had... Um, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx in it. And it was a guy who was in prison. And he was killing people outside, even though he was in prison. The dude is uh, King Leonidas. In uh, 300. I forgot the name of that movie. Let me see if I can find the name of that movie. But... Killing um, people in prison, though. I haven't yeah, seen that Killing people in prison. Oh, my gosh. What's this guy's name? Gerald um, Butler? Gerard Butler. Well, whatever. That uh, that that was like a conspiracy theory movie. What what would your movie be if you had to go? It's one of my personal favorites, uh, Enemy mm-hmm. of the State. Enemy of the State. That's the movie with Will Smith? Yeah, Will Smith, Gene oh, Hackman, okay. uh, John Voight. Mm-hmm. That was a cool movie. Oh, and, why wasn't I thinking about that movie? And it was quite an eye-opening film. I mean, that film's like almost like 20 years by now and, you know, just showed the capabilities of the NSA. Yeah. And from what I understand with that movie is that's technology that they were using like 10 years before it came out. Mm-hmm. So if that was like in the 80s or so, they had the technology to tap in you know, computers, view you real-time on spy satellites from up in space, then what were they doing when that movie came out, let alone now. And it was kind of, it was like that eye-opening film, like who's watching the watchers or who's watching us and who's holding them accountable. Yeah. But in that movie, they really did make the government or the NSA seem like they were that bad kind of thing. It didn't make them seem like they were, or at uh, least John Voight's character. Yeah. Cause he kind of did go rogue for killing a Senator. Oh yeah. And I was like, eh, I mean, they're bad, but they're not as bad as uh, they, they make them seem in the movie. Have you seen Snowden? No, not yet. Yeah, okay, then I'm not going to tell you about it, but uh, it's a good movie. Oh, the movie I was talking about was Law Abiding Citizen. Oh, yeah. That That movie. That was his uh, movie of choice. Um, Other than that, I mean, we'll get off of that subject. I mean, even though Bond is basically uh, a spy, he's he's a... The spy. Yeah, the spy. But he's a a weird kind of spy because he says his full name. He's not really spying around. I mean, he does some spy stuff, spy s stuff. But to be honest, he's not really a he's not he's not the traditional spy that we're used to. Um, but uh, I mean, he's not like no uh, Black Widow kind of thing. But because um, he doesn't have any tits, right? Because he doesn't have any tits. But I can't see him doing those kind of moves <laughs> either. But uh, he he's well. That's uh, why he has a gun. He's like screw that. Blow exactly. Your head off. Exactly. But um. Hey, this today is your day, man. I mean, if it wasn't for bomb movies, we wouldn't have uh, shit. That I think uh, Pierce Brosnan, one of his spy movies, uh, one of his bomb movies. That was the first time I ever seen a uh, uh, eighteen wheeler do a a fucking 
it was on like what half the wheels like sideways because it was a rocket coming at the okay first of all that was not pierce brosnan that wasn't that was timothy dalton no you're fucking lying to license me. to kill oh my gosh are you serious man because i was i was picturing pierce brosnan driving that fucking truck no <laughs> you got the Timothy wrong Dalton. you got the wrong decade you got the wrong bond well you know what that is my number five pick for bond movie that's my number five that's my number five uh that movie right there because uh jesus christ that and guy was 1989 was... really no no fucking way oh if you guys don't know what uh the reason why he got these dates it's because he has a shirt with every bond movie on it but it's like minimalist art, so it's fucking it's badass. It's like a little graphic representing each film, and there's a year. Yeah. But I know most of the most of the years off the and top of my head. What's that? 1962. It's and Doctor No. And that's kind of the okay. reason why we're doing this podcast today, because October 5th, 1962, was the first official Bond movie's release. Nice. And 1967, Guy Girl 2. Wait, wait, let me see if I can figure this out. It's guy girl times two. 1967. Guy girl times two. I know 1964 that, is Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. But 67, that's, a, that's my favorite Bond film. That's your favorite? That's the, that's the one on your top You five? only live twice. Yeah, that's, that's my number one. Why would it be two people if it was you only live twice? Well, there's a two by it, you see. Times two. Okay. It looks like like the two icons like of a restroom, like the male yeah. and female, and there's a times two. I admit it doesn't really make much sense, but it should just be one person and yeah, with the times two. Yeah, but I, I see what they're I see what they're trying to do, and then that one next to it is nineteen sixty nine, Honor Majesty Secret Service, and that is Christopher Nolan's favorite Bond film. Jesus Christ, I was gonna say Spy King, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you know about Bond? <laughs> I don't know that much about Bond. All I know is that uh, if there's a Bond movie on television, most likely I'm going to watch it because I know something cool is about to happen or something uh, interesting. But usually for these Bond movies that's come out, it's like um, I'm one and done. I'm one and done with them. Hey, man, it's just the way that it is. Like As soon as I see a Bond movie once nowadays for the past... Uh, Let's let's give it like ten years. It's been more of a no, no, no. I can't because Casino Royale. I'll still watch that because of Eva Green. But um, <laughs> it's been like okay, I watched it once. I'm good to go. I'm good on it. Well, teach his own. Like I've seen everyone like at least a hundred times. Wow. I, I grew up with the Bond films. I remember even like as soon as like I was like four, Jeez. I was watching Bond. And obviously, like, I was like four years old, so I couldn't really watch the more violent like at the time like the Pierce Brosnan's. But my parents did let me watch. You know. Sean Connery's and mm-hmm. Roger Moore's like the older, older, more quirky and kid friendly bonds. Oh, yeah. But still, well, I mean, it was still sexist, though. <laughs> well, it was the from, times. From the it lines. was the times. Yeah. I think there's, there was a, somebody actually had a, uh, made a montage of all the, the sexist thing that Bond <laughs> have said over the years. And I mean, pretty the majority Brosnan, of them was all the older ones. Yeah. Sean Connery was up there. <laughs> I mean, he was definitely throwing them out there. But, you know, it was. I mean, call me old-fashioned, but I think it was kind of like in fun kind of thing. Like, eh, it's kind of in fun kind of shit. It, it really wasn't as as bad as I seen it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, which one that was pretty cool? 
oh, when the girl was in the shower and he walks in, he was she was in the bath. He walks in, and she said, "Can you please give me something to wear?" And he gives her uh, her, like, her shoes. Yeah, and it's Thunderball. Like, Dude, that's funny. That's one of the best Bond films. And it's, some people might. Yeah, say he, that's he just sits down and just chills, just waiting for her to do something. Yeah, and I find that funny, but people say that's sexist. But I'm hey, if you were in his shoes, I like literally, w- do that. I would have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. Oh, it's a fucking funny. It's, that's funny. She probably wouldn't have thought it was funny, but I mean, it's funny. <laughs> but but let's uh let's go to our top five Bond movies. Um. You want to start off? I already gave off my number five. It was the one. Dude, with... I gave off my number one for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, let's. Well, my number. Yeah, this this list is gonna be fucking uh, a shit show right now. But hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. And on top of that, appreciate everything that you have given us. Uh, who was the who who wrote the the Bond movies? The movies or the original no, the, character? Yeah, the original character. It's Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming, and how is he? Uh, how is he thinking about how this whole Bond is going, or how about that controversy about Bond being a female or a black person? Ian Fleming's been dead for oh he has like, been. Well, I, I guess he doesn't give a fuck about like that. Forty plus years. Then what about his estate? Then what do they think about this whole like Bond being a female, or there's that whole thing saying that Bond is really uh, just an agent, and they're just giving this agent. They're just giving this number to like a specialty agent who just does this kind of thing, and I'm thinking that they might go that route. There was some, some uh, what you call it, you know, like fan conspiracy kind of thing. Like, uh, oh, what if Bond is just a number that they give to their top agent kind of thing, and they get they tell this person that yeah, your name is gonna be James Bond. You never. Heard I'm not of not that? really aware of the Fleming estate having issues with with that. that? Because they're getting money. They or at least they're not getting... Royalties. Like, I'm sure they, they do get some sort of royalties. Um, but just whatever deal they have with Sony. Since I Sony mean, owns the rights. And since... um, I forgot. Gee, I'm just forgetting everybody's fucking name right now. Because uh, it's not really coming to me. Uh, but since... What's the name is planning on... Uh, what the fuck is going on here? I'm definitely going to edit this part out. <laughs> 15, 15 minutes and 42 seconds well, Give me a second Give me a second Here we go Since Daniel Craig Is thinking about Like backing out of Bond I mean to the point that well, His uh, contract expires so yeah. he's, he's out of it Yeah but I mean in Spectrum I mean he wanted out so bad that He actually left the, the set on Spectrum, just so he you can Inspector, Spectre, just so he can do uh, uh, what's Star Wars and, and, and Star Wars. Well, they were shooting Star Wars at Pinewood Studios. Yeah, so it's not like he went. No, but he just went to way. another studio while they were waiting for him while they were shooting the movie. Well, that's the rumor. I mean, it's. I think. You think J.J. Abrams like dismissed it like all oh, this didn't happen, but then again, he was under like a stormtrooper helmet. So was yeah. he really a stormtrooper? I think it did happen. Who would you think would be a real good uh, replacement right now for in, in the 007 shoes? Who do you think is going to be real good or do better than Daniel Craig? Because to be honest, even when Daniel Craig got into uh, 007, there was not a lot of people who were into it. 
including myself, I was really skeptical at the time and got, got a blonde Bond who could not drive a stick shift. I mean, can you imagine Bond not driving a stick shift? I mean, that's insane. Um, but I admit, like, when you look at the books, he's probably the closest to at least what I pictured how Fleming described Bond with the exception of his hair color. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, who could... We can have... Um... Man, I really can't think of anybody playing Bond right now. I think um, it's he's a little young, but um, Magneto from the X Men movies, the new ones, like uh, Michael Fassbender. Yo, I he I think he could he could do it. Like if he was a little bit older, so maybe in the future, maybe he got his hair a little bit darker. But especially like how he did um, the the re, it wasn't a remake, but the kind of the reboot of uh, Men from Uncle. Yeah, you're definitely right. I, I could totally see that happening. Even uh, even McGregor, I could see him. He'd be an interesting Bond. You go from Obi-Wan Kenobi to Bond. Well, you know what? If Hugh McGregor was to be Bond, I think it would be more comical. I can't really see him being Well, serious. we've had comical Bonds. Like, you look at Roger Moore, and he's played the roles like seven times. He played more than Sean Connery. Yeah, I could see him doing pulling it off, but uh, Fassbender... Definitely. I can see him uh, taking a mantle. I can see him doing I'm not really sure if he'll want to because uh, how many movies has he has he done that's been like part twos or I know he's done the X-Men one. He did that. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. I don't know if he's because you know how some people are just like, I'm sick and tired of doing these. Uh, I, I, I can't fucking see it, but, you know, they're sick and tired of doing these part twos or part threes to these movies. And I'm like, yo, I don't understand why you don't like playing this character, this badass character. But there must be something more into it that's just exhausting. But, I mean, you're on set for like six months sometimes at at at, at most. You're on set for six six months. Uh, you're probably just reading this script. You're just doing your lines. Probably you, maybe in one movie you have a total of like five monologues that are like two minutes long or something. I don't know. I think it's just actors being actors. I mean, you're acting and you're portraying someone other than you for so long. And maybe it just takes some mental, mental toll. Uh, yeah, like, like a mental toll on them, and it could be, or maybe like they just don't like the. If it's a successful franchise like Bond, mm-hmm. I mean, Daniel Craig said he'd much rather like slit his wrists and play that role again, and just you lose your man. your privacy. I mean, you got the paparazzi all waiting for every step you take outside your house, and you just lose that privacy that you had when you like before you took on that role. Oh man, just. I don't know. I just couldn't fathom. Even even then, I mean, I've worked at a job for a job that I didn't want or didn't like for like five years, and I did it with no problem. So that basically means that I came out with five movies. <laughs> yeah, and look at how much they're paid. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. geez, do it for the money if you don't Hell have the yeah. passion to do it. All right. So we're going to go with the... Uh, I'm going to go with my number five, which I already said was... Uh, what movie was that that you... <laughs> License to out, Kill. License to Kill. Came out in 89. Jesus Christ, I can't fucking believe that. Wow. Yeah, but that's my number five movie. And the reason why is because uh, an 18 wheeler was turned on the side just so it could dodge a rocket. I remember and being it, a little it drove kid. through explosions. Yeah. And it was just a force to be reckoned it with. Was on an eight, it was an 18 wheeler. 
I've never seen somebody maneuver an 18 wheeler like that, and that was fucking James Bond who did it. Oh, yeah. And it was a stick shift, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was a stick shift, so. I so mean, Daniel Craig cannot drive that. Yeah, he can't. But yo, why can't you drive a stick shift? You're an adult, man. It's not like it's that difficult. Just practice for like 15 minutes, practically, you got it. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And it's not like you'd be going that fast on set. I doubt that you'd be going past like uh, 30 or 40 miles. No, actually, the, the stunt driver will be going that fast. A lot of like the Bond films are notorious for doing like everything in camera mm-hmm. and even like hoping that nothing happens. I mean, like obviously like, they're, they're, there's certain precautions they take, they take on set, but especially as they were doing like the chase sequence in um, uh, Skyfall, mm-hmm. like going through the bazaar and, and just you're putting crowds in harm's way, but you, you're working with probably the top stunt team in the world and let wow. them do their thing. You, like, but still, they'll try to keep things safe, but at least they do everything in camera and make it look pretty damn cool. Jesus Christ. All right, so mine's the number, uh, my number five is License to, License to Kill. Which also came out around the same time as uh, If Looks Could Kill, <laughs> which was a movie about a teenager who was in high school who uh, goes to, uh, what, France? <laughs> he goes to France, and then he's mistaken for a spy, and he starts to get into some hijinks. You guys should also check out that movie after you watch... Uh, what you call all these Bond movies, this marathon that, that'll last you about, um, let's say, three three days. 26 movies. Three days? Well, it's 26 if you count the, like, the unofficial Bond movies. Really? Jesus Christ, man. This guy. <laughs> uh, how, then how many is with the official, then? It's uh, 24, I believe. 24? Wow. 15, uh, 12 actors... Twelve actors were Barry Nelson, Bob Holton, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, David Nevin, George Lanzenby, Lazenby. Lazenby, Christopher Casanovi, Jesus, Timothy Balt, uh, Dalton, Michael Jaston, Jaston, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, and Toby Stevens. Now, like I said, granted, two of those are the unofficial Bond movies. Was that Toby Stevens? Who the hell is that? <laughs> I don't even know. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah, but it's uh it said twelve actors. And um He was the villain though in Die Another Day. Oh. It's Gustav Graves. Oh. The English counterpart, not the Korean who became that character. Oh. Okay. That's what's up. Oh what's what you say your number five was? My number five is Thunderball. Thunderball. Which, when you look at the books, that's the book that killed Ian Fleming. Mm. It was a big lawsuit. Um, he He's basically convicted of plagiarizing that book from Kevin McClory, who gave him the idea. Like, and this is even before the first official Bond film. He pitched the idea for Thunderball, and Ian Fleming stole it. He wrote, just, he wrote that in his book, gave him no credit. And in a court of law, they found that he was guilty and they settled or something. And just the stress from that mm-hmm. basically gave him 
a heart attack and he died or a stroke. And it's interesting because uh, in order to get the, the rights to use that movie, mm-hmm. Albert Broccoli, who produced, or him and uh, Harry Salzman, who produced the first Bond films, um, yeah. they had to bring in Kevin McClory, who owned the rights to that film as producer so they can pr- produce Thunderball in 64. So if you watch that film, Jesus. it's not produced by Broccoli. It's produced by Kevin McClory because he owned the rights. And he didn't only own the rights to that film, but also the word uh, Spectre. Mm-hmm. And kind of the character of Blofeld, so that how they worded Blofeld in the series, like it was kind of carefully, so like legally, because he Blofeld was in some Bond films after that. Oh, okay. and especially like you look at in 1981 when they did a For Your Eyes Only. Um, there's like a it starts off with Bond killing Blofeld, and they they never know who he is. Like they don't refer to him as Blofeld, but you know it's okay. He's wearing the the gray suit. He has the cat. Mm-hmm. Jesus and um, it's the the Kevin McClory estate who sold the rights back to Sony, so that's how they were able to get the the Spectre name for the movie, and that's why Blofeld was back in that because Sony, since everything was now under the umbrella of Sony, they could go back and use that character. They could go and use that name. And that's also how you get the Bond film, the unofficial one, uh, Never Say Never Again in 1981 with uh, Sean Connery. Because Kevin Kevin McClory, that same guy, he produced it because he owned the rights to only do a Bond movie based on that film, which is why that film is so similar to Thunderball because that was his idea in the first place. But it was like a 40-plus year lawsuit which finally was settled officially and getting the whole bond like genre together as it should be under mm-hmm. one roof that lasted all the way up until they made the like the most recent bond film spectre wow the more you know <laughs> and there's a great book on that called the killing of bond that really dives into the, that and even some other different movies that kevin mcclory tried to make even as recent as like 2000 or so. He, he he died like a few years ago, but he tried to wow. do the same thing with Pierce Brosnan and they were like in, uh, they were supposedly going to, he was interested. I don't think he agreed to it, but he was going to do like another Bond film like Thunderball again. And he, he tried to do it a couple more times too. But the only success, successful one was that one he did in 81. Jesus Christ. Well, so yeah, that's my uh, number that was five, number, yo, Thunderball. That was his number five, yo. And you look at that film still to this day, it's <laughs> just an amazing film in general, like the underwater sequences. Oh, yeah. And how Kevin McClory pitched that idea to um, Ian Fleming, like to make, just bond kind of who he was. It's interesting how, thanks to Kevin McClory, we have, like, Bond is who he is now. Just the persona, he, like, he pitched to Ian Fleming. Wow. Like this type of guy that every man wants to be and everyone wants to have. Let's put him in exotic locations to give him like the best girls. And granted, like Ian Fleming paved the way for that, but I think it wasn't until he was he met and befriended Ian Fleming where it kind of came into fruition. And that's like one of the definitive Bond films because before Thunderball, there wasn't like exotic locales. I'm sure there was beautiful girls, but mm-hmm. you know when you think of watching a Bond movie, oh, where's he going to go next? Yeah, for real. Yeah, Bond was the first one that was like, he was constantly going to these different locations. And I'm like, man, I would really like to visit there. That seems like a cool place. Oh, man. 
constantly going to different locations. That's what he's. I mean, that's Bond. But um, that was yo. That was Chris's fifth uh, pick, and he just dropped so much knowledge. Um, my fourth pick is going to be Skyfall, and uh, the reason why I picked this movie is because uh, there was a scene that happened around the end of the movie that um, apparently Sean Connery was supposed to be uh, to he was supposed to portray uh, the old guy who was in that house that Bond went to. Yeah, the caretaker. Yeah, and Sean Connery, what you call it, he backed out of the deal, and that's why we see this old guy, and you see how dramatic it was supposed to be, and it really would have worked if that was Sean Connery. Well, you know, he officially retired, like, yeah, early 2000s, and he's stayed I mean, true to his word. there was a lot of things he was supposed to do. I mean, uh, I remember at one point he was supposed to be in, uh, they were supposed to be making a, a Halo movie. Um, and he was going to be in the movie. I mean, obviously he was not going to be uh, Master Chief, but I mean, if he would have been like hey, Sean the, Connery, could pull that off. Okay, he, I mean, but uh, he backed out of the deal, and uh, who else? Microsoft backed out of the deal, which gave us District Nine. Uh, which I look back into, I look back at that movie, and it wasn't as good as I thought it was at the time. Because I remember at the time when I watched that movie, I was like, man, this movie is amazing. But now, well, think of the budget—like a thirty million dollar budget—and those didn't it like get nominated for like best visual effects or something yeah. that year? It's incredible what they did with that budget. Yeah, with a pretty compelling and original sci-fi story. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, beside that, I mean, I look back at it and it's just—it's a cool movie, but it wasn't as big as I thought it was at the time. I was like, man, this movie is amazing. Everything is good. The story was all right. I think what it was that uh, that uh, that that basically just got me out of it was the the the, the dialogue. The dialogue was just eh. Well, it's also kind of it's a South African movie, so maybe the dialect and the um, accent mm-hmm. could have thrown you off. So you're saying that Sean Connery was going to be in that? Yeah. And what role? But he was going to be in Halo, not in that movie. He was oh, you're saying Halo. Microsoft went with. Or some some like yeah, because Microsoft was okay. back in the movie too. Okay, they were back in the movie because they were going to do the Halo movie, and Sean Connery was going to be on it too. But they and, went with District Nine. Yeah, because since Microsoft backed out and then Sean Connery backed out, they just said, "Okay, um, well, just make a movie kind of thing." And he was you gonna make District Nine, so they made District Nine, and that's why we got that movie. And even more recently, with Sean Connery, um, they were going to do a big Bond like reunion for the 50 year anniversary for mm-hmm. that year's Oscars, and he turned that down. He turned that, so he's not even making appearances. Yeah, not even yeah, a Oscars thing celebrating your most beloved role. So he's not even. I mean, you know, he's why? just enjoying his golf course. You know why? That's because uh, fucking League League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It, it was just, so bad. It just <laughs> it just got him out of it. I, f- I forgot what it what, what it was, but um, I know that he was gonna do another movie before that movie. Forgot what it was, but he he canceled. He he uh, he backed out of that deal, and that movie ended up being like real big. I think it was uh, either Matrix or something like that. It was one of those like. Those, he was going to play one of those iconic parts in one of those movies. And then he backed out of the deal. That movie made up made a lot of money and everything. Next thing you know it, he was like, well, if all these uh, sci-fi, and move, uh, sci-fi and geek movies are making it, let me just sign up to this movie, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And 
that movie ended up being a shit show. But you know what? Out of that movie, there were some gems in there. There was like some movies that I could have been like, uh, there's some scenes in that movie that I, that I took away from it, and I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool scene. Um, the whole thing with Jekyll and Hyde, I thought that was pretty dope. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all I could think of right now because that movie was uh, a complete shit show. But uh, <laughs> that's my number four pick, Skyfall. Just because of that one factoid about uh, about uh, what you call it, Sean Connery almost being in it. That would have definitely got me. That if I would have saw him at that uh, at that um, at that uh, house as a caretaker, I would have definitely been like, "Yo, this movie was a good movie." Other than that, it was it just dragged on way too long. I just felt like they should have wrapped it up. Really? Because I'm going to tag along because Skyfall also happens to be my number four. Oh, for real? <laughs> what? Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm a purist. I love the Fleming novels mm-hmm. when it comes to Bond. And it's very Fleming-esque. That? Like, um, just the story, it's simplistic like a Fleming novel. It's, it didn't really go to exotic locales like the other Bond films. It was all rooted pretty much exclusively in England. Mm-hmm. For most of the film, and it just it even brought Bond back to his roots, like where he grew up before his uh, parents were killed in a climbing accident, and it it introduced uh, this young this generation or and just people in general don't know like a little bit of Bond's backstory. Yeah, like like they dropped hints. Okay, we knew he was an orphan that the um, and some stuff, but not really him growing up. And they tried to kind of build upon that with uh, Spectre, and that just failed because that movie just failed and did I mention it failed it was just bad <laughs> but yeah I just, I just like Skyfall it's, it's very Fleming-esque and they paid homage to even like some other Bond films like they brought back the the Aston Martin from Goldfinger mm-hmm. and I remember I, I saw that film if I remember right four times in the theaters and every time I saw it there's people cheering when they did the Aston Martin reveal just, just shows you how <laughs> much the audience loves that car and why you know it's why Bond changed and had Lotuses in the seventies, eighties, and even BMWs eighties, nineties. When they always go back to the Aston Martin, it makes people happy, including myself. He didn't have an Audi. He never had an Audi. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking about the Transporter or Tony Stark. Tony Stark had an Audi too, but I'm thinking more of the Transporter because everybody has that look about you know you're just wearing that uh the tux, the black and white tux. With uh, an Ashton Martin or a uh, an Audi, if you can't afford an Ashton, which is uh, still most most of us. Yeah, I can't afford both, so <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so that's your number four pick. All right, my number three pick is I want to say I'm gonna say Goldeneye. Reason why I say this is because. Goldeneye brought us one of uh, the best first-person shooters out there. And um, I never thought I was good at first-person shooters until that movie, until uh, I played that game. Not really the movie, but that game was dope. No, no, actually, the movie was dope, too. He had that, that watch. Yo, the gadgets alone. All the, How about him driving the tank? Yes. Yo, the, he drove the tank through a fucking wall, didn't he? Yep. And buildings. Yes. Oh, my god. He uh, derailed dude. a train with it. He just 
spot and going on a rampage. Yeah, man. That that movie was like epic. And Sean Bean is a villain. Yo, that movie had everything in it. It was basically like a they they made Bond for it was like a summer movie. If there was not there was not a lot of talk in it. It wasn't a lot of uh it was a lot of jokes and stuff like that, but it was it was more action driven. It was like the perfect reboot. Yeah, it was going through like kind of like this identity crisis after mm-hmm. the Timothy Dalton's in the ni- in the late eighties, and that's why like there was like such a long hiatus mm-hmm. between like the Timothy Dalton's and the Pierce Brosnan. Is just what are we gonna do next? So they reinvented it in, in an amazing way. It's like Pierce Brosnan wise, it's my personal favorite. For the just for the the era of the Pierce Brosnan, that's your favorite one. Yeah, but it's not good enough to make my top five. Not really, man. Okay, well that's that's my. It would be my number, number six. That was the so number. If we did like top six, and I would have <laughs> ranted a bit on uh, Goldeneye. All right, then what's your uh, top three right now? What's your what's your number three? Pick? Okay, my number three is the Spy Who Loved Me. Okay, all right, and. The Spy Who Loved Me. And why, how so? 1977. All right. <laughs> what, you be hating? No, I'm just saying. Uh, wow. well, it's going to get older from here. <laughs> really? Oh, so you're not even going to go into like the recent no, ones? No, of, right. of course the top two is going to be Sean Connery. Back to The Spy Who Loved Me. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the definitive Bond films. That's the kind of the first one we see him globetrotting. I mean, it, it it's in Egypt. It goes to um, Sardinia or the Med. And so he's globetrotting. He's going to these exotic locales. You got Barbara Bach, one of the de- definitive Bond girls, is Triple X, the Russian agent. Uh, mm. The car has the Lotus that's a submarine. Uh, and even there's the huge epic scale um, battle sequence at the end in the tanker with like just epic in all proportions, like the cast, the girl, the car, the gadgets. Uh, Sure, the villain, Stromberg, you know, your typical Bond villain hell-bent on destroying the world, mm-hmm. literally. But it had everything going for it. Not, and Henchman, Jaws, I mean, he was so popular in that they brought him back for the next Bond film, Moonraker. And they made him even more relatable, but making him the nice guy in the end. So it paved the way for the most famous Henchman. Yeah, that's your number three pick. His His number three pick, his... Mind you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, his picks of Bond movies are way... My list is based on uh, how I felt when I watched the movie. And uh, it's all about passion. His is more um, critiquing it for the love of it kind of thing. Like, uh, Yeah, and granted, I am biased since since I mentioned <laughs> in the beginning I grew up with the older ones. Yeah. I didn't watch the older ones. My, I started. I started <laughs> from... Um, 89 apparently from 89 i started from 89 but we were talking about this earlier like the submarine so you yeah at least saw i've a seen part those, of this yeah. i've seen those because i remember being a little kid and i remember watching those movies and i'm thinking like who is this guy trying to be like bond kind of thing <laughs> it was bond i find out that it is bond <laughs> so it's like this is a bond movie what year did this come out 77 Oh my gosh. Okay, so my number two pick is. Um, oh man, give me a second. Give me a second. Which one is the one that had Holly Berry? Die Another Day. Yes. 
That's my number. That's my number two pick. That another day, just because uh, it had Holly Berry doing that uh, that iconic uh, Bond scene. How is that iconic when that was ripping off the very first Bond film? Yeah, and okay. by that, I, I assume you that's mean the, I, I assume you mean her uh, bathing yeah. suit reveal sequence mm-hmm. with the little knife on mm-hmm. her hip. You know, I, as much as I back in especially those days, Holly, Holly, Holly Berry, I got to admit, I, Ur- I, Ursula Andrews still pulled it off better. I had that. Tell me, with her with the braids, <laughs> you'd be hating. With her with the braids, she pulled it off. Yeah, right. Well, when uh, I just really liked that scene because uh, it was awesome. I mean, she was in the movie. Don't really remember it, but that scene, I had that poster. So just because of Holly Berry, that's your number three. Yeah. Holy cow. Yes. Well, to each his own. <laughs> that's my number three pick. No, that's my number two pick. Yes, number two, okay. Mm-hmm. And your number two? My number two is Goldfinger, mm-hmm. which I guess most fans, at least who have a love for the older ones, would say <laughs> is the defin- like the best. And it's you look at that film in particular, the villain arc Goldfinger okay. it, uh, by Gert Frobe. Um, it was kind of the first villain to steal the show from the main character. Like he was more interesting. It's like, do you want me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And it just, <laughs> it, how like the audience really like took Goldfinger. He just stole a show and it's amazing because he didn't, didn't even speak English. They fed him his lines and they really, just, yeah, they did the same thing when he was in uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which was also written by Ian Fleming and produced by Albert Broccoli. Did he have a monologue in there? Um, usually, uh, I wouldn't really Bond call villains it, uh, have like monologues that uh, that go into detail of, about uh, what their plan, what their plan is, and did he did he not have he one? He kind of had one. Um, he, he's explaining his plan on how to um, take on Fort Knox, and Bond is hiding under the model, and so he's going on for quite a a bit. But it's kind of fascinating how one of the most iconic Bond villains had such a thick accent and couldn't really speak English well enough to have his lines fed to him line by line and yet stole a show from none other than Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Oh and not to mention, God. you know, this has the car. I mean, when you think Bond gadgets slash cars, most of the time I think people go to that Aston Martin with the ejector seat. Yeah. And, and ever since that film, like how would Q one up Q? I mean, the only other gadget <laughs> you kind of get before that is the briefcase and the film before that from March with Love. Okay, that was a briefcase with some gold coins and a knife and an explosive canister of tear gas or something. So that's the one, that's the movie that started the whole, oh man, he's going to meet Q. I wonder what, what's he going to give him now? Because that's the one thing that I hated about Spectrum, the fact that he really didn't have any gadgets. Well, they, they returned back to the basics of the radio. and No, uh, I didn't like it. Didn't, yo, that, that right there upset me. I didn't mind it. Really? Because the fact that he didn't have and, any and gadgets, it's, and it's kind of why they didn't do any gadgets for the first three Daniel Craig movies. Because you look at your number three, Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. Bond had a car which was invisible. Yeah. So how can a Bond can car that? <laughs> top that? It one upped itself to the point that you literally cannot one up it. So they're like, well, you know, let's not bother having this character Q anymore. Mm. And let's not bother with any gadgets. We'll give them sure, a, a totally awesome car they went back to aston martin yeah but they just won up it too much <laughs> oh man 
But like, and the thing I liked about your number three Donna today is uh, Q. Mm-hmm. Like, if anyone was to replace Desmond Llewellyn as Q, John Cleese totally was perfect. Like, yeah. I, I love Monty Python. I, I love Faulty Towers, and just he would have been great if they would have continued uh, Q, the character, as opposed to getting rid of him completely and now repl- replacing him by someone like literally my age, which is this young guy who's supposed to be uh, smarter and stuff like that. But I still didn't like it. Not a fan. Not a fan. Of even though, even though that was your number four pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just that, that it, why would they do that? Why would you take away the thing that you know? I mean, as a little kid, I'm like, oh man, he has a cool ass. Uh, he has what uh, a pen, or he has a watch that shoots a laser, or something like that. It's like, yo, he he has he has gadgets. Whenever he's in a a, a, a tough vine, a bind, he can get out, kind of stuff. And those were the cool things about Bond. I mean. That's what they took away from Bond when they made that movie uh, with Vin Diesel, X, Vin, Vin X, or what's the name of that? Oh, Triple X. Triple X movie. I'm like, that's what they took away. I mean, Vin Diesel had a, a revolver that uh, he had different bullets. One bullet that looks like you, sh- you, you killed someone, but it knocks him out for 12 hours. Um, another bullet that actually works as a bullet, a tracer bullet, uh, and all these different types of... Uh, rounds that he could put into this uh, gun, which was pretty dope. You think if it wasn't for the Bond franchise, would they have done that? Oh hell! And, he, and even like they hell even no. kind of copied that on Christopher Nolan the Batman movies in The Dark Knight. You know when he's talking with Fox and you should read the instructions or acquaint yourself with the oh, manual yeah. or something. That's something that Q always did. Yeah, that was very Q esque. Yeah, and it was always cool because Bond never he never read those fucking manuals. No, man. he never. And read it, it's kind of it's it, it's kind of. <laughs> Interesting because uh, Christopher Nolan loved the Bond franchise. Like I, I said earlier, his he, he admitted that his favorite film was Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. And you look at um, one of his more recent films, um, Inception, that mm-hmm. whole ski chase is very much like that film. Oh, yeah. And it's because of like how Christopher Nolan kind of redefined the action genre, especially in the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. Why... Um, it, like with with the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. how, uh, geez, I, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Just uh, um, catch it. Yeah, to like say. you, you see like the big twists that uh, Nolan has, and especially having the villain get intentionally wants to get captured. And you look at his, you you look at um, Skyfall. The villain wanted to get captured, and yeah. that was very Nolan esque. And yet, Nolan was inspired by the Bond movies. So how about we see like a Christopher Nolan directed Bond film? It'd be deep, man. Written by his brother. Written <laughs> by his brother and him. And it's going to be like Memento. It's all going to be backwards or something. Oh my gosh. It'll and, be... Well, and then you look at um, Inception. That, that seemed very, kind of Bond-esque. Like, do you think yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio like kind of felt a little bit like that? But it was like a team-driven movie. Like they would have to, they would have, to uh, have Bond take up the role of most of those characters like uh the the tom hardy character he has to be in that whole thing oh i mean it could be like a mentor kind of thing like bond is tree uh just same way that uh what you call leonardo DiCaprio had to he 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 got this girl i forgot her name juno temple yeah no no it was it wasn't her it was um it was the girl from juno yeah what's her name uh when he got her he was basically trying to show her the ropes in a way 
I mean, I would like to see a Bond trying to teach someone. Ellen Page. Yeah, Ellen Page. I would like to see Bond try to, like a training day kind of kind of thing. Like uh, Bond trying to teach someone how to. But would that be a be Bond him? film? Would it? Yeah, I mean, maybe not a Bond movie. Maybe It would kind of feel like, like what Sly is doing with Rocky and Creed. Yeah. You know, that was not really a Rocky That's movie. That's not really a Rocky movie. You know, there's some uh, there's some debate about that too because they're saying like it is a Rocky movie, but it's it's not. It's more of like it's a one off kind of thing. It's like it's a, funny because I, I did this like Rocky like uh, questionnaire thing like mm-hmm. how how old do you know the Rocky series and maybe a third I won't say a third more like maybe a six of those questions were on Creed. Really? I'm like, well, I only saw that film once, so how can I do halfway decent on this quiz? Yeah, because I mean, I mean about that movie. I, me personally, I don't think of Creed as a Rocky movie, but uh, for some people, they might think so. I think it's just a one-off kind of thing. Like I don't uh, know, but they have purists like myself. Like, well, this is not a Bond film. Why would Bond be a mentor? I don't know, man. Uh, he's old. He's like what Sean Connery was supposed to be in Skyfall. They. Kind of did it a little bit with the unofficial Bond film, uh, Never Say Never Again. Mm-hmm. Like he was training in that, um, and even just admit like he kind of teaches a little bit. But it's an unofficial Bond film. Yeah, so it was unofficial. So we we kind of saw that, and audiences didn't take it take it because they came out the same year in nineteen eighty three as Octopussy, and Octopussy beat it in the box office. Oh, well, I mean, so I guess people did not want to see people don't want to see that kind of Bond, an older Bond, even. Even with Sean Connery being Bond. People don't want to see that kind of Bond. A Bond that teaches. They want to see him. Well, he didn't really teach. He, he kind of mentioned it. Like, oh. like he wasn't really as active in the field. Hmm. Is that in the books, too? Did is Was there any chapter about him uh, being a teacher or anything like that? No? At least not in the Fleming novels. Hmm. But there there has been different... like Writers? Yeah, there's been lots of different writers. But interesting with, with Fleming is... There's even one film, like one book, where it's totally taken from a woman's point of view, hmm. and it was uh, *The Spy Loved Me*. And it's it's like this. It's a, it's it's a short book. Like it's probably one of the shortest, at, with the exception of his uh, short stories he did. Mm-hmm. But it's about this girl who she she's taking care of like a, a hotel, like, like a yeah. bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. and um, some gangsters come in and Bond saves the day. And it's taken totally from her point of view. Nice. All right. So Ian Fleming, maybe if he was alive longer, he could have done Bond as like an older mentor, like mentor, because like could have been the, the books played off each other. Like it referred to other missions, it referred to other girls and love interests he had, mm. like quite frequently. So maybe if Ian Fleming lived long enough, if it wasn't for Kevin McClory, <laughs> like screwing things up, who kind of gave us one of the best Bond films, then maybe we could have seen a more mentorship Bond character. So people like myself would be more accepting over a role like that but we didn't, so that's what I call it blasphemous. <laughs> I mean, okay. It would have been dope. I mean... It would be interesting, I admit. Yeah, it would be. It but, would be. but to me, it wouldn't really be Bond. It wouldn't be a Bond movie. It would just be a, a one-off. Like how they do in comic books or how they do on uh, TV shows. Like, it's not an episode that... They do it in X-Files a lot. There's always these... Uh, you you will see like in X Files there are all these these shows these episodes that just it goes with the story with the whole season and next thing you know there's just like this one episode that's like it's totally off fucking base nobody know what the fuck they're they're talking about or what they're doing it's just like one of those episodes that 
the writers and the, and the director is like, hey, how about we just do one on, uh, I don't know, Sasquatch or something like that. Say, yeah, but we're talking about uh, the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah, we just, they're, they're tired of it. They're tired of going out there, Illuminati, now they got this new case about Sasquatch. Just one episode. <laughs> and I said, all right, okay, that's what we're doing. Just the one-off. It's not really, you really can't judge the whole season just off of that one episode, but usually. But how's that one episode help drive the rest of the season? I mean, well, you, you, and you've like seen, and you've seen, yeah, and you've seen other series and TV shows. They do something like even Walking Dead. Let's have like one episode where we don't see Rick, where we don't see the crew, we see someone else. Yeah, we see we focus in on somebody else. Generally, what I get from that is there there are a lot of people who are like they don't like that episode because they want to go on with the story, and I totally get that. But sometimes you start seeing it's it's a it's and like needed, a character break. development. Yeah, yeah, it's a character development like. We don't really need Rick and, and uh, the rest of the gang in this episode. Let's see what the other camp is doing and why they are like this kind of thing. That's a cool-ass episode. That's why Game of Thrones needs to work. Because oh. that's all Game of Thrones. Really? Hey, see, I don't watch that show. I just know so much about it because everybody else watches that show. <laughs> that's the only reason. But um, I'm going to go with my number one pick, and it is Casino Royale. And the reason why it's uh, Casino Royale is because, I mean, everybody knows, it has Eva Green in there. And uh, <laughs> her name in the movie was Vesper Lind. 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 Yeah, it was Vesper Lind. That's how we get the drink. <laughs> yeah, man. She's a, she's a drink. I thought he also liked the director, Martin Campbell, who did um, Goldeneye. So leave it to someone who rebooted the Bond films successfully once to do it twice. Do it twice. I mean, tch. You're good, dude. You're good at what you're doing, man. And, I mean, the fact that he got a Eva Green, perfect pick. Perfect pick. Um, yeah, for Vesper, she was the perfect choice. And uh, that one scene when, uh, spoiler alert, when she when she dies. I mean, is it a spoiler? I mean, this thing. This is a spoiler alert. When she, when I kinda, she, Well, I kind of spo- spoiled her character dying with the book already. Yeah. I mean, she she dies, and the way that she dies in the movie was just so, like, goddamn. It you 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 feel for for Bond because it's like, yeah, you know, he was into this girl, and he was trying to save her because she was uh, well, she was like she was in uh, she was in an elevator, right? Like one of the elevator that looks kind of like a cage, and she was drowning. And he well, was it was like an to, older style elevator, yeah. yeah. And uh, she he was trying to. Like break uh, break the actual elevator, but he couldn't. So rather than have him struggle for long, she just leans back and just looks at him. And I was like, "Holy shit!" But she loved him. Yeah. And <laughs> that was a cool way. Lo- to die. Lo- looking at the books, that's one of the most faithful to the that like, right the, the, the movie. That, no, is... the, the the movie like the premise itself. Oh, even down to the line, "The bitch is dead." Memory <laughs> serves me right. That is the last line of that book. Wow, who says that? Bond said that, and Daniel Craig said in the in the movie like after she died and he's talking the phone with M and she wants him back. Whew. God damn! So that's how the book ends. Is that the way she dies in the book? No, uh, she commits suicide, um, like poison, as it were, in bed. Um, it's similar. She sees like it, it, the events are are fairly similar. If mm-hmm. I remember right, it's um, it's after. Bond, he does it for it's, him. It's after he uh, gets healed 
from mm-hmm. the torture scene, which is yeah. word to word even from the book when it comes to the dialogue. Wow. And him sitting in the chair, hitting the balls repeatedly. Oh my that is gosh. That is in the book. <laughs> and um, they, they, they're, they're staying together like in, in like a like a bed and breakfast like thing by the, by the beach mm-hmm. and bond notices that something is off. And it's as they're like having a meal, she sees like someone out of the corner of her eye, like a double agent or someone keeping tabs on her mm-hmm. as it were. And she commits suicide and ha- and writes this note explaining that she's a double agent. And that, that's how it ends. And bond wow. basically just, yeah, the bitch is dead moving on. And yeah, her death, Throughout the books, it's it, it it's a very different bond that book, and it's her betrayal, which makes him the womanizer, makes him cold, very cold hearted. Oh man! So, which is fucking crazy because not a lot of people talk about how because I mean you basically turn him into an actual victim because usually the way that they talk about yeah, like think that, of all the victims that uh, have fallen under his his gun. Yeah, because. <laughs> Because usually when they talk about Bond and stuff, they, they're basically saying that, oh, he he's a womanizer and all this other stuff. But it's like, yo, there's reasons for him being a womanizer. It's because this girl who he loved betrayed him. Yeah, he, he let his armor down, as yeah. it were. They said that in, in the movie. Like, Poor guy. Like She got too close. He fell in love, and her betrayal forever changed him until he married Tracy, who got killed by Blofeld. Yeah. Can't win, can't win in that field. So if you guys are in that kind of a uh, field of espionage, you got to back out if you think that you're gonna fall in love. It doesn't work. Which is why you just be like Bond and just have a one night stand and leave it at that. Have a whole bunch of one night stands. What's your number one? <laughs> My number one is you only live twice. Sixty-seven. Mm. The one that's on your shirt that we're just talking well, about. I'm, I'm sure, like a, it's somewhere on my shirt. I'm sure. Uh, that. That was the very first Bond film I saw. And it's personally, it's I love it so much. It's Bond, he's in Japan, and this is like the mid-60s. So Japan is like emerging from like the ashes of World War II to mm. just a big technological giant. Uh, the villain is Donald Pleasant. So talk about an actor with a lot of prestige being Blofeld. And sure, it's your same typical, I'm going to destroy the world, or he wants the United States to go to war against uh, Russia. Is like they're taking like space capsules. Mm-hmm. It's a similar. It's kind of similar to what they did in um, the Spy Love Me. And actually, if memory serves me right, they're both directed by Lewis Gilbert, same director. I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure at least he did one of them. You only live twice. And can't forget the gadgets he had—a little Nelly, the like the gyrocopter. Mm-hmm. The gyrocopter. You said uh, you only lived twice, nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, here it is. Hijack an American and Russian space shuttle, in an attempt to start a war between the two nations. Bond is sent to Japan to investigate with, with the help of Tiger Tanka. Tanaka. Tanaka. He uh, and yes, I was right. Lewis Gilbert did direct both of them. Hmm. The head of station in Tokyo, armed with over one hundred trained ninjas. Oh, yeah. He, so he got ninjas in this. <laughs> no. I think that was old. I have never seen this movie, so I might have to check that out. I mean, Bond versus ninjas. Well, the ninjas were on the side. 
Oh, okay. Wait, but do you see ninjas actually doing ninja stuff? You do. Oh, right. That's what I'm talking about. And they even kind of make Bond a ninja to make him go undercover. Oh, really? Yep. So they start doing Mission Impossible shit, huh? To an extent. Well, no, no masks. They just like kind of they, they shaved his chest a little bit. <laughs> it was a uh, Western was Sean Connery. That was Sean Connery. Sean Connery. That was the last of his uh, five films under contract, which is why he vowed never to do one again until he was bought out for a million dollars to do Diamonds Are Forever in '71. Wait, okay, so so he did six official Bond films. So they alternated then. They alternated between Bonds then, because 1967 they had Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. And 1969, they had George Lazenby. Yeah, and uh, they had Sean Connery again in 1971 with uh, Diamonds Are Forever. And part, from what I understand, with um, George Lazenby, is he did not do another Bond film because of his agent. Like he was pressing them for more money or something, and there was some sort of falling out, and so they weren't really sure how to carry on the Bond film. I mean, he was the first. Bond actor to replace Sean Connery mm-hmm. and it was it's also kind of an iffy story some people okay Bond getting married I'm mean, granted that did happen in the book and she did die exactly the same way in the book mm-hmm. it was actually overall pretty close to the book um, but I, just as a whole people didn't the audience didn't really accept it and I've, I believe just the only way to successfully carry on Bond is to bring Sean Connery back for one more time which is why they gave him an offer he could not refuse for a million dollars to do his worst Bond film. <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever is his worst Personally, Bond film? to me. It's, it's fun to watch. I'll give him that, but it's... Yeah. But hey, Bond in Vegas. Bring Jimmy Dean in the mix. Sausages. <laughs> he, is, he is in the movie. I mean... Like, wow. it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie, but like, yeah, it's definitely, his, my opinion, his worst. Yeah, definitely. I mean, no. I, I, my number five. I'll take it any day over like Quantum of Solace and some of the other worst Bond films. But for Sean Connery and such, and such high expectations with me, it's my least favorite of his. I got to watch these old Bond films. I got to see how they are. Are they, um, do they hold up? Do these movies hold up? Like uh, you're asking somebody who's biased that question. Yeah, you know. And you know me. Yeah, my favorite, ahead. my favorite movie was made in 1938. I think I'm biased when it comes to old movies. I mean, is it a lot of dialogue in these movies? Obviously, the older Sean Connery ones, it's not as action-driven mm-hmm. as the more modern, I'd say, starting with Timothy Dalton, so looking at your mid-'80s to present, where it's more action-driven. Mm-hmm. It's more character and more quirky. Like, you kind of get into the campiness of um, kind of how okay, like The Man from U.N.C.L.E. was. It's like, well, this is a spy film? Like, yeah, it was, but it was a campy movie. And that's how movies, were, especially spy movies, were in that day. And movies in general. I mean, look at the Adam West Batman compared to... Now, I mean, it's fun to watch, but there's just something yeah. different about it. And it's, it's quirky. And that's just how things were at the time. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, but like everything else, Bond changed with the times. And so I got to get myself ready to watch a movie like that. I got to get focused in order to watch a movie that's going to be... Would you have, as you say, campy and stuff like that? Yeah, it, it's very campy. Oh, man. Well, I mean, that seems like that's our episode, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we're at uh, hour four. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed this uh, this special We Sinked It episode of... Uh, yeah, an episode of We Sinked It. I, um, this is the Bond special. 
I don't know what the name is going to be. Probably going to be like Shaken, Not Stirred. Not really sure. But uh, <laughs> everybody uh, have a good October 5th. Um, and I would like to leave you guys with a bond, with a bond line, but I really don't have one unless you have one, a bond line that you want to say, cause I don't have any bond lines. Uh, let me see. What can I say? Oh, the bitch is dead. Bye. <laughs>